very um, a very very old beef that had to be sacrificed. And special for him, the God who sanctifies. Um, so we thank you today. I pray, Lord, we ask that you bless this time, sanctify this time, sanctify this space. Lord, we ask that you bless the preparation of those provisions that are here. Let the Holy Spirit move amongst us as we really figure out how to let these things take on some life so that we can be all that we're called to be. In your name, amen. Shake your head, Word. Thanks, Mike. Welcome to the first non-social gathering of uh, any size in the Commonwealth of Virginia since the governor's mandate. So this is church. We're going to hopefully learn some stuff and uh, learn how to uh, maybe pronounce some things or not. Um, but God is good. He is all the time. Um, uh, okay, so I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I do have a, a particular penchant for identifying mispronunciations. I have a particular disease which has no specific name. It may be either anaptixis sensitivity disorder or sometimes known as epenthesis drives me crazy syndrome. Uh, and I want to see if some of you suffer in the same way that I do. And I imagine I'm going to discover some fellow comrades in this hearing related malady. If you've ever bought a house, maybe some of you have used a realtor. If you've watched a football game, maybe you have amazed at the ability of the athletes on the field. Uh, if you've lived in the UK, maybe you've uh, come across some aluminum foil. And uh, when you're out and about, you might go this away or that away. Um, and maybe you think I'm being mischievous uh, when I tell you that identifying extra and unnecessary sounds and words is my speciality. Um, so I want to apologize to all of you that whose ears I've really just grated uh, seriously at this time of day. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I confess that it's because my last name has this weird DW combination embedded in it. It's a stumbling block for a lot of people, and a lot of people struggle to pronounce my name. And I often receive the extra and unnecessary vowel sound, as in Duhadaway. Um, but uh, perhaps the Lord has blessed you with a lack of sensitivity to such things, and uh, for that you should be thankful. And uh, I hope uh, the only reason I bring this up is because of the difficulty in, in pronouncing this uh, word, this name of God, uh, Mekadishkim. Uh, and I'm going to talk about uh, Kadash a lot, but it, that may itself grate the ears of all you Hebrew scholars out there, all of you DTS products, and I know you're out there. Uh, but please know, if I'm mispronouncing any of this stuff, that is not my intent, sincerely. So, um, moving on, in the words of our senior pastor. Um, so now I'm going to break out another big word for you this time of day, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's unfair to do this to you, but this other big word is called ontology. Um, it's a the branch of philosophy that talks about uh, concepts of reality, and it's not as intimidating as it might sound. It's uh, basically a, a, a framework for understanding all manner of things, and uh, it should be able to describe, you know, individual things, classes of things, their attributes, interrelationships, and so on. Uh, so, an example, geographic ontology would tell you about, you know, what is land, what's a land mass, what's an island, what's an ocean. Uh, it gives you a way of, of categorizing some things. So, you might say, I'm on a continent, and I might go 
to an island called Hawaii, af you know, after flying on a nice United flight over an ocean uh, to get to that island. But there's a, uh, a geographic ontology that allows you to describe things in that way. Uh, you might have a financial ontology that says uh, the value of some things in terms of what you could sell it for. It might give you a definition of currencies and tell you if something is for sale or not. Uh, you might have a particular net worth in a financial ontology. So uh, this morning we're going to talk about a different kind of ontology, perhaps a, a sort of spiritual ontology, to describe all things. Uh, in this framework, everything and ultimately everyone has one of three possible characteristics. Uh, the first is common. So things that are common are just that. They're ordinary, everyday things. Maybe you could buy them at Walmart. Maybe uh, they're easy to find. Maybe something that most everybody has. Uh, it's, it's probably most things and most people, and common's not bad or good, just, just is. Um, second is profane. So uh, this would be not one of the two other, there's only three categories here in this ontology. Uh, so not one thing that would be not common would be profane. These would be things that have been polluted, things that are broken, things that are contaminated. We shy away from these things naturally. Uh, and uh, even when we profane something ourselves, we typically move on from it. Uh, and depending on how you look at the world, you will see it with varying degrees of profanity. Uh, profane is bad. Uh, last category. If it's not common and it's not profane, it would be sacred. Sacred are things that are special. Things that are dedicated to God are sacred. Particular care goes into sacred things. Um, they may take a long time to develop or to build. Um, they might be more easily profaned because they were sacred to begin with. Uh, sacred is special and good. Um, and to make something sacred, uh, the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew term for that is kadash. So that's how you spell it, I think. Again, not trying to offend any of you Hebrew scholars out there, but I, it's, I cut and paste out of Blue Letter Bible, so you know, I, don't, I don't pretend to know this stuff myself. Pastor Alex can correct me to 100% when this is over. Um, but I do want to take a, a, a little bit of deeper look at this word kadash, uh, from which we derive this um, term uh, mekadishkim. So you may recall the last time I was up here, um, I talked about the word or the name of God, Adonai, meaning Lord, uh, and that the combination of the Tetragrammaton, so many words this time of day, Dave. This is really entirely necessary. So the, the YHWH four letter tetragrammaton combined with the vowels from the word for Lord Adonai uh, and then anglicized or put in the English language and then put in the uh, King James Bible gives us the name Jehovah. So that's, that's where Jehovah comes from. Uh, and I wish I had a better grip on where um, Mekadishkim comes from. Uh, but I can only tell you that it comes from this Hebrew word for, uh, or called uh, kadash, meaning, uh, which means a lot of things. So I want to kind of give you those, those definitions of what uh, kadash is. It, uh, it may mean to, to consecrate. Um, it could mean to sanctify, uh, more, more words. Uh, it could mean to prepare. Um, and it could mean also to dedicate. Uh, there's a sense also in which Kadash can be a, uh, a quality of something. It could mean to be holy 
or to be separate. Um, there is, um, gosh, I, didn't, I guess I didn't realize this when I was preparing all this. This is like swimming in the deep end of the pool first thing in the morning. Some of you grew up and you were swimmers and, and you, your mom maybe dragged you to pool swimming practice or maybe you did this for your kids and you're, you're in the pool before anybody else is even awake. And so some of this stuff, uh, as I was studying uh, this, this term for holy, I found myself in the, the very, very deep end of the pool. I thought this would be kind of straightforward. Oh, you know, uh, holy, separate, sanctify, all that. It's pretty, it sounds pretty basic. You know, you've heard sermons many times on this, but there, there is a lot uh, when, you, when you start to study the, what holy uh, means and what it meant to, anci- to the ancient world. Um, but in the words of Inigo Montoya, there is too much, let me sum up. Um, so in the, in the ancient world, uh, holy could mean membership or proximity to the divine, and not necessarily moral perfection. It just meant you know, things like the temple. Temples are holy uh, because God dwelt there. And did you notice the little DW combination in the word dwelt? I'm just putting that out there. Uh, anything in the temple would be made holy just because of its proximity. Recall Jesus' words in Matthew 23, verses 16 through 21. Uh, he's talking to the Pharisees. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar that is nothing, but who swears, whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and everything on it. Whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. Uh, Kadash does come from a root word that means to cut or to separate. Uh, And so holiness has also sometimes been viewed as a separation from some things such as sin, uh, leading some to equate holiness with purity. But a lot of times in the Old Testament where the word, this word Kadash is used, it's not necessarily trying to emphasize a sort of, of separation. Sometimes holiness is viewed as transcendence, something that is completely different from us. Uh, the mysterium tremendum, this thing that causes us awe, things that demand our respect, the fear of the powerful. And yet, a lot of passages with Kadash also are not trying to draw out the idea of somebody or, or a God who is away from us, but it's a God who's drawing near, someone who has come to meet with us. So is holiness merely uh, proximity to God, or is it separation from sin, or is it fear of the Almighty? I think e- each of these ideas, uh, and there are more uh, in this deep end of the pool, just begin to give us some insight into what it means to be holy to be sanctified by God. All right, let me pull up a few, just a few examples of Kadash in Scripture, just to give you an idea of some ways in which this word to be sanctified is used. The first is the Sabbath day, and this is from Genesis 2, very early on. Uh, Verse 3 says, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, Kadashed it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. We see that God sanctified the seventh day. I don't think that means that made the other days bad or profane. Uh, You might just say the other days are common, everyday days. Um, 
forgive me, it's early. Uh, but, uh, but God identified it as special. He called it out and said, this, this day, this is not a common day. This, this is a special day. I identify it as sacred just because God said it. Second would be uh, the firstborn. Um, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, uh, the word says, sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast. It belongs to me. So now we see this Kadash term involved with ownership, this uh, with regard to the firstborn in particular, uh, man and beast. Now, obviously, there's a sense that everything belongs to God. He is our creator. He created the world. Wh- why? Of course, it's all his. And if you, if you, you know, I, I think we all know that. But the question that came up to me when I was studying this is, you know, God is declaring a special kind of ownership uh, for the firstborn. Um, and uh, that's a form of sanctification. And I, have to, I will confess, as a firstborn child, that uh, the times that I thought I was special because I was a firstborn child usually led me down, say, a profane path. Uh, and uh, I don't recommend that. So I don't want you to walk away thinking that somehow you're all that because you happen to be a firstborn child. And um, if you have a younger brother or sister, you already know that. Uh, they've, they've tried to correct you on how special you thought you are already. But I did want to mention that uh, this, this notion of uh, sanctification uh, is specifically called out by God in, in terms of his ownership. Um, where I want to spend... The last bit of our time together, though, is this talk about uh, the people of God and their sanctification. Uh, This is from the book of uh, Leviticus, chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. You shall consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So here in the third book of the law, this is a a complex version of Kadash. So notice what is happening here. Uh, God commands not just the firstborn, not just the, you know, on a particular day of the week, uh, but he's, he's telling all of his people uh, to consecrate themselves, Kadash themselves, uh, and do what? And be holy. Uh, this word to, uh, for them to be holy is similar sounding, but it's a little bit different word. It's kadosh. Again, I think. Alex nodding, so I feel better. Anytime you see Pastor Alec nodding, it's, it's an encouragement, so look for that. Uh, so in, in Hebrew, uh, you can see a kind of a combination of, of the things. I'll, I'll just read, I'll do the best that I can of just giving you all of verse 7 in Hebrew. It says, Kadash, Kadosh, Yahweh, Elohim. Now, if you've been here long enough, for this study of the names of God, perhaps you've picked up on a couple of them. Kadash, Kadosh, Yahweh, Elohim. Uh, and then verse, en- verse 8 ends with Yahweh, Kadash. Okay, so this, wha- again, welcome back to the deep end of the pool here. Uh, God is calling his people to set themselves apart, to be pure, to be near him to be holy so that he can sanctify us. Okay, so maybe some of this sounds a little bit familiar to you. Maybe you recall 1 Peter uh, in this chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Uh, Peter says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. 
keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Maybe you've heard this idea that you should simply be holy because God is holy, or perhaps you think this is not really for you because I'm kind of in that common bucket myself. I'm just a regular guy. Uh, or maybe you know that you are especially broken. Maybe you see yourself as entirely profane. Uh, maybe you connect a whole lot more with Pastor Marty's sermon on Psalm 51 and contrition than you do with this call to holiness. Uh, sacred is not an attainable place for you, you think. Uh, perhaps you're just hoping to make it back out of profane into common. Um, but uh, even Peter's recall of this verse only tells part of the story uh, because it's God who is at work in you. It's God who sanctifies you. By doing your part to consecrate yourselves, uh, that's where this work of the Holy Spirit of God for sanctification occurs. Um, this other New Testament verse you also probably remember is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um, now, I, I know there's at least one other table group that's seen table two in the parking lot of Coles uh, on a Friday, and we've been out there studying for a while. We've been reading through Mere Christianity uh, and we've heard C.S. Lewis' metaphor about uh, which blade in a pair of scissors is more important, right? So which, which, which do I do? Uh, and he's in that in that context, the metaphor is talking about faith and works. But I want to extract, I want to borrow it a little bit here and talk a little bit about sanctification. What what does it mean for you to make yourself holy, so that God can make you holy? Okay. Uh, there is obviously this sense that God's doing it all. He's God. I can't make myself holy. But this is not a talk about how do I make myself right with God to, to be saved. This, this recalls the previous talk. Is, he, is God the Lord of your life or is he just your Savior? This is talking about lordship of God over your life. Um, but even though God does it all and God is the only one capable of saving us, God calls us and has always called his people to enter into this work of, of, um, of sanctification, to work it out. Um, and we're not trying to do this to show God how holy we are. That's not the point. We are trying to open ourselves up to God, the work of God in our lives. Um, how do you do this? It's easy. You just ask God to show you. This is one of those prayers that God is quick to answer, like, show me where I am impatient. God will show you in about three seconds, maybe less. It's, it's one of the faster things that God does. God tends to work, at least in my life, over a long period of time, right? I mean, this is, these are things that we don't, you know, God is not a microwave. God is not an ATM. He's not a vending machine. You know, God is a gardener. You know, God, we, we grow things. God is, is calling all of us to a life of holiness and a pursuit and a walk with him. And it's a long walk. Uh, but 
uh, if you don't know what, what steps to take, God will give you that first clue. How do I, how can I make myself holy? Lord, show me. Show me the sin. Show me where I fall short. Uh, show me how I'm separate. Help me to be closer to you. I promise you God will answer you. Um, this is uh, a, a wonderful season that we're about to enter uh, with Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, we're not going to meet next week. Uh, so this is kind of a last chance for you guys to maybe be together for a while. I appreciate the fact that so many of you came today to base camp uh, in spite of everything that's going on. And I'm, I've always admired the number of men who are here today. But I hope you'll take some time to, to consider these kinds of things uh, as, you, as you break out into your groups. Um, for, uh, just remember, as you, as you go into that, that time of discussion, the, the Christian life is more than just a one-time decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. This is Kadash Kadosh, Yahweh Elohim. So for your questions, talk about something that's holy in your life, and don't, don't make this complicated. This is like, I have a special plate that I get out when it's my birthday, you know, that, that kind of thing. I have a special pocket knife that my grandfather gave me it's that that's what's what I want you to talk about I know you have something and that's a holy thing to you and that's what I want you guys to talk about when you're when you're in your groups um, but further on do you consider yourself holy and and if not why not and then what is that one step you can take this season to to consecrate yourself not to not to make yourself look better or to prove to God that you're special but to allow God to work in your life God is good